0: Uh, We are in the middle of this series called I Love My Church. Yes, we are. But we're actually going to take a break from I Love My Church this week. Don't stop loving the church, please. Continue to do that. But we're going to take a break for a good reason. We're going to talk about truth and grace today. Come on. Truth and grace is good. And uh, truth and grace is good because of the fact that we believe in in the truth of the Word of God, the absolute truth, Right but also we believe in the, in the absolute grace of God that we, d- we receive unmerited favor. Come on. Yep. We don't deserve it, do we? Yep. No, we don't at all. But does Jesus give it to us anyway? Absolutely. And we're going to talk about that. But I don't want to uh, you know, bait and switch you or uh, I, wanna, I don't want to pull any punches. This is why we're bringing up the subject of truth and grace because I actually mentioned the subject of truth and grace a couple of weeks ago when uh, we saw a video testimony of, of our brother Paul, I'm going to say his name, dig? Did I say that right? We, we shared a testimony. Anybody saw, saw that testimony? Raise your hand. I want to see who. Okay, good. Okay, good. You saw that testimony. And it actually brought up a lot of questions. Why? Because Paul professes that he's a gay man. He's gay. But he came to uh, one of our Easter morning services, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Come on. Let's celebrate that. And he's growing in the Lord. He's been here for a year and a half, almost two years, a while. And, and, uh, and so he's got inspired to, to start an outreach in many churches uh, to people who are like him, who are gay. And so we're going to talk about homosexuality this morning. So can you guys stomp your feet right now? You know what we're doing? We're crushing all those eggshells. <laughs> crushing them. Crushing the eggshells. It's like, homosexuality, we're walking on, who can walk on eggshells? Nobody, we're too heavy for that, come on. on. So we're gonna talk about that. I'm gonna gonna talk about that. Um, We're also gonna talk about a special session that's coming up. How many of you guys know about the special session that's coming up that the governor called in the legislature about same-sex marriage? Anybody watch the news? Nobody watches the news around here. They're trying to legalize uh, same-sex marriage, and that's what this special session is at the end of October. They're going to do this, and so we're going to address that as well. And here's the thing. I don't want this to be a whole sermon on homosexuality, but I know there are questions being asked. The, 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 the video went up, and like, whoa, what's going on? Where do we stand? I just came up here. We stand on truth and grace, and that's what we, we got to do. We have to be a church that stands in full measure in truth and grace, Kind of get him in for that. Come on. We do. And But here's the thing. What does that look like? What does that look like in practice, in action? And that's the point I want to make today, is what kind of church do we want to be? Actually, more importantly, what kind of church does Jesus want us to be? Is that a good, fair question to ask? And I really believe if I look at Jesus, He walked on this earth, there's great examples of it. He walked with a full measure of truth and grace. And actually, I want to take a look at that. So let's turn to John 1. John 1, verse 14. And we read the NLT here, the New Living Translation, but I have a whole bunch of, like, different versions that I want to throw at you because it kind of, uh, I like the version, and it kind of makes my point. But it says this in 1 John 1, verse 14. This is the New King James Version, and it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth." Jesus was full of grace and truth. And you're going, wait, that, Jesus wasn't even mentioned that in, that in that verse. Well, actually, He was. You ever notice the word there is capitalized? Anybody? All right, cool. It's there, right? And so what does that mean? And John, I always tell people who, be, who come to Christ, who brand new them all, go read John. Because John just hits you right in the face with Jesus. He starts out right from the get-go. And he says, this is the word of God. Jesus was it. Because he was Jesus who came down on earth, and he spoke God's word. And he became flesh. And so when we look at the word, and it's capitalized like that, it's Jesus. So here, John is saying, Jesus was full of What? Grace and truth. And I'm, I switched it around truth and grace. You can do that. And that's what we're talking about. And where's the examples? Well, I've shared this story. And actually, uh, when Pastor Rick Bazette was here a couple of weeks ago, he actually shared the same story of the adulterous woman. And so here we go. We're going to talk about that again, because it's the greatest example of Jesus showing grace and truth. And so what happened was the woman was caught in adultery. They pulled her out, the religious leaders, and they wanted to, wanted to do something. They wanted to stone her with stones, just to clarify that. Because if you're caught in the act of adultery, in, in the law, it says death is the penalty. And how do they do it? They'll just stone her. And so they put her out there, and Jesus just so happened to be there. And Jesus, can I say this? I always say this. Jesus is a genius. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is a genius. And every time he's in, in, a, in, a, in a situation, you see Jesus just deal with it masterfully. I just love it. I, I, read, I read the gospels just for that. I go, how do you deal with that, Jesus? I want to find out how you dealt with situations. And, and, and he, he said something and he did an action. And for some reason, every accuser that was ready to stone the woman, the adulterous woman, dropped their stone and walked away. Just because of what Jesus said. Isn't he that good? And so what happened was he was left alone with the adulterous woman. And this is what he said in John 8, verse 10. He said, Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now that's a huge statement. And now what, you're probably wondering why is grace and truth in there? Well, how is that an example? Well, basically, that line, Go and What? No more. Sin no more. Bottom line is, Jesus was telling her, what you did was wrong. It was adultery. It's sin. You're missing the mark here. You're wrong. There's the truth. She was faced with the truth. Go and sin no more. He didn't didn't say, oh, it's okay. Adultery's all right. You can get, get away with it sometimes. That wasn't Jesus. Jesus had a full measure of truth. So go and sin no more. But what did he do? He let her go. He said, go and sin no more. He gave her something that she didn't deserve. And what was it? Life. Because she deserved death. But Jesus gave her ultimate grace. Neither do I condemn you, because no one here is going to throw the first stone. But you know what? I can throw the first stone, because I have never sinned. I can actually throw the stone at you. But you know what? I'm not going to. And here we see Jesus acting in full truth and acting in full grace. And we can actually apply the same thing to the issue of homosexuality. Turn to Romans 1 with me. Now this is the verse that, you know, if you've ever argued this issue or even know someone that's gay and you've shared this verse, this is one of the the main verses, especially in the New Testament. And Romans 1, Paul's writing it in verse 26. It says this, and it's, it's really clear, actually. It's, it's pretty black and white. Romans 1 verse 26 says, That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of their sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved." Pretty clear. I don't need to preach any more of this. I don't have to clarify anything. It's right there. Homosexuality is a sin. The act of homosexuality is a sin, the result of their sin. Now a lot of the problem is, Christians look at that verse and go, see, see, see? But they don't keep reading. They don't keep reading. And, and one of my suggestions to you when you read the Bible, keep reading. Because Paul here is writing a letter. And there's chapters where, OK, I'll just read a chapter and we stop. But when you write an email, do you put chapters and verses in your thing? If you, I mean, if you write a lot, it's like chapter 2, verse 3, I said this. You know, no one does. And Paul didn't do that. We put that there so that we can find the place really easily. But he was writing a letter, which means he was trying to make a bigger point. And if you actually look at chapter 2, which is literally a couple of verses down, it says this, chapter 2, verse 1. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad. And you have no excuse. You notice he has an exclamation point right there excited about it. He's trying to make a point. You have no excuse. When you say there are wicked, they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. Now you're going, Tom, why'd you have to read that? (laughs) Because we were talking about homosexuality here. We're talking about one specific thing. Yeah, they're guilty. Well, I just read that we're all guilty. Romans 3.23 says, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. We're all guilty. So that means we can't judge because we have done the very same things. Not the same sin, but I want to say one thing. Sin is sin is sin. It's equal to God. Sin misses the mark, which means we are all in need of a Savior. Every single one of us is in need of a Savior. And actually, my advice to you was to, what, keep reading, right? three verses down, it says this awesome, incredible verse, Romans 2 verse 4. It says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? What do you see here? The absolute grace of the Lord. You were hit pretty strong with truth. Here's a specific sin, but everyone has sinned. But, ain't I a wonderful God? Am I not tolerant and kind to you? Don't I show grace? Don't, don't I show you undeserved favor? Come on, that's amazing, isn't it? That's amazing, and you're, we're talking about a, a, in a span of these few verses, is a full measure of truth and a full measure of grace keep reading your Bible, we can't pull Bible scriptures out of context because we have to look at the whole context. And what does this have to do with, with Paul? I'm not Paul the Apostle, Paul Whiteig <laughs> and his testimony. Paul's testimony is truth and grace in action. It's absolute truth and grace in action. Can I tell you my perspective of, of uh, Paul's testimony? You have no choice. I'm just trying to be friendly here. Well, my perspective was, I, I heard that a guy named Paul got saved. And he was setting up all these meetings with Pastor Carl and Pastor Scott. I'm going, well, who's this guy? Sending up meetings. So he just, first time comes, he comes and gets saved and whatever it is. And I heard around the way that he was, he's gay. And he's a, he, he's a homosexual. I'm like, fantastic. He got saved in our church. Praise the Lord. Then I finally met Paul. And Paul, like he's doing this morning, sits in the front row every week and praises the Lord, raising his hands and shouting to our God. He's praising, yeah. So I met him and I started talking to him. You know, I see him at the Connect Center and we'd uh, talk and, and whatever, and we'd do stuff. And he took the Foundations class, I remember? After the Foundations class, he actually got baptized. I witnessed him get baptized. Then I think I remember one conversation later uh, we were there at the Connect Center, and he was telling me, "So you know what?" And I don't even know how it's been. It's been I don't know how long it was—maybe six months or whatever, eight months. He's saying, "You know what, Tom? Those feelings of, of, of those tendencies uh, of, of being gay—they're being drowned by the love of Jesus Christ." He actually used the word "drowned." I'm being overtaken by Jesus. Is that amazing? And then I would see him coming. Actually, I, 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 he would come to open house. And then he would come to open house again. Then he came to open house a third time. And I'm like, Paul, you're not new anymore. You're coming for the free food, aren't you? You know? But he had all these questions. And then I remember that one time he pulled me on the side. I think it was the fifth open house that I saw him at. <laughs> I'm exa- well, maybe I'm not exaggerating. I don't know. I think... It was like the fifth one and he pulled me on the side. He's like, Tom, I've decided to be celibate. He had a desire to reach out to the gay community. And he's like, God, how, how can I do this? And God said, Be pure. Be pure. And the most amazing thing that I realized at that moment is that Paul, his sexuality didn't master him anymore. Jesus did. Jesus was his master, and he was fully surrendered to him, and that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Come on, for anybody, that's a big deal. So you're looking at a man that wants to be pure. Why? To reach the people like him to Jesus Christ. And then he's starting a mini church, and there's questions, whoa, wait a minute, he's still gay. He's he's starting a mini church. And I wanna say, say something really, really clear here. We are not affirming being gay. We're pointing people towards Jesus. Can I put it this way? I'm sorry, men. You know, we did the hoo and the hoo thing, whatever it is. Men, I'm gonna throw you under the bus right now. Is that okay? All the women are like, yeah, go for it. Throw them under the bus. And maybe actually some women too, but I'm just gonna talk specifically to men. Most men, majority of men, actually a big majority of men deal with this thing called lust. All the men are just stone-faced right now, why, Tom? Why? We deal with lust, which means there's just normal people that come to church every week and you deal with lust. There's many church shepherds in our church that deal with lust. There's pastors, not me, that deal with lust. I do. I do deal with lust. And it's one thing that we deal with, but we are trying to surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ and be like what Jesus said, go and sin no more. But you know what? Those things, no one, those things are still there. No one has, I, I have never, all, all the years that I've been a pastor of a Christian, no one has come up to me, Tom, Tom, guess what? I'm lust free. <laughs> Nobody. Zero. Nobody has. You know, if you're sitting here and you're like, oh, that's me? Dude, you should be teaching right now. We'll make a whole seminar surrounded by you. How do you do that? You're lust-free. But I have nobody. And you know what? We're not doing, we're not saying, lusters of the church, unite. Come on, lusters. Let's, come on, let's, let's affirm our lustfulness. We are not doing that. But we want to give something to help you guys. Just as Paul is trying to reach out to people who are gay. Is that okay? Because the one thing we have to remember is, and I, I'm, I think this is, I, I know this is true in, in Paul's life. God didn't ask him to stop being gay. God asked Paul to walk with him. To surrender to him. To follow him. That's what Jesus asked of all of us. He didn't ask you to drop whatever sin you have, whatever it was. He just said, follow me. And remember the the disciples, right? They became disciples how? Jesus said, follow me. Right? I I preached this last or two weeks ago, whatever it was. Right? There's Paul and Andrew. They're fishing. And Jesus said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. They dropped their nets. They got on the beach. And Jesus didn't go, hey, wait, 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 hold on. Wait a minute. wait, Wait a minute. You smell like fish. I want you to take a bath first. Or I want you to get rid of your problem. Jesus didn't say, fix yourself up first before you follow me. Jesus never said that. And what happened was, these people surrendered their thing. They surrendered their livelihood. They surrendered their whole job. And they started following Jesus. And when they started following Jesus, they started walking with him. They started knowing his heart. They started falling in love with Jesus. As men, they were falling in love with him. They saw him do miracles. They were walking with him. And in the process of following and walking with him, guess what? They were transformed by the renewing of their minds. In the process, And here's the one thing I have to say to you guys, we have to be okay with the process. We absolutely have to be okay with the process. God didn't ask us to fix ourselves. And this man right here has chosen the celibate life. Why? Because he wants to be used by God. God said, stay pure. There you go, you wanna do that? Stay pure. I I know this is not answering every single question, but you know what? I hope it helped. And clarified where we stand. And here, I want to even clarify even more where we stand as as a church. This special session is coming up, uh, same-sex marriage. And where does Hope Chapel stand, especially in this issue? And we're starting a mini church. Where do we stand? With truth. That's from Paul, by the way. We stand. We oppose the special session. We oppose same-sex marriage. There, I said it. (laughs) And that's where we stand. Are you, are you okay now? <laughs> right? We oppose it. Why? Because the Word of God says this is wrong. And I want to stand in the Word of God. And the problem is this. Here's my, my big issue is, is that God's law is here. But if this law passes, and it might pass, and can I say something? It's not gonna be the end of the world. Because you know what? If this law passes, we better, as a church, better stand more on truth and more on grace right? If this law passes. But if this law passes, I have a problem with the fact that God's law is going to be here. And now there's going to be a civil law that's going to be above God's law. And I'm, I'm not okay with that. Is that okay for me to say that? Yes. Absolutely. Because we have to stand in the truth, the absolute truth and grace of God. So I, want the, I have the ushers. We're going to actually pass something out. And this is, you know, I'm not, I'm not a political savvy guy at all. I'm like, man, but here's, we're gonna actually pass something out. We're gonna, we're gonna ask you guys if you want, please do not do this because Pastor Tom told me to do this. I want you to do it because you wanna do it. And we're, give, we're giving you a template of how to contact your representatives. And what you're doing is you're just sharing your opinion. And you're saying, here's where I stand on this issue. It's not a voting thing, but you know what? We voted these people in didn't we? Yeah. So now we can actually tell them here's what I think. And here's here's the deal. There's a this is a template from uh, Pastor Wayne Godero from New Hope that we're working with. Pastor Wayne Godero, how many guys know Pastor Wayne? Great guy. Awesome. So so he's allowed us to steal his stuff, which I'm absolutely fine with that. We're stealing his stuff. But here's the deal. Please look it over. There's a way you can you can email your representative or even all the representatives. But I want to ask you one thing. Do not, if you disagree with me, don't send it. Obviously, right? But if you're going to send it not being a representative of Jesus Christ, if you're going to send it not being a representative of Hope Chapel, Bay, I'm going to ask you, don't even send it. If you're going to be during God hates this and whatever it is and be very angry about it, please do not send this. Because if you read it, it's, it's very respectful to our representatives, and we're just quickly sharing our, our viewpoint and sharing what we believe so that we can stand up and be counted. Because here's the thing. I was listening to Pastor Wayne's sermon, so if, this is, if the statistics are wrong, you can blame Pastor Wayne. He said 30 churches actually uh, stood up and supported this law. And then my reaction was, well, where's the other churches standing up to say something? And so my idea what, by doing this is we better stand up and be counted. And if this law passes, which it might, if this law passes, I didn't want to stand on the other side of the law and say, we didn't say anything or do anything. Is that good? But like I said, do it with truth and grace. And I love this line, I always say this before I go into any kind of confrontation or tough talk, whatever it is, is that we would be shrewd as a snake, this is a scriptural, shrewd as a snake and as gentle as a dove. And that you would do that while you're writing this letter to your representative. Is that okay, guys? Cool. And you're probably going, whoa, that was, can we take a breather right now? I think we need a breather. <gasps> that was a lot. But here's the thing I want to talk to you guys about. What we just talked about, it's messy, isn't it? Okay, I'm telling you, it's messy. It's tough. It's like, whoa, this is a mess. We got to clean up and clarify and whatever it is. I want to tell you one thing, a church that is committed to to having a full measure of truth and a full measure of grace is a messy church, is a messy church. And we have to be willing to face the mess. We have to be willing to walk on the eggshells and do it. Because how many guys remember... uh, Last week, anybody here last week when we uh, had Jeff Chavez, Pastor Jeff, and Pastor Tisha here? Awesome. They did an amazing job. And, and I remember Pastor Jeff sharing a verse. Um, he shared that verse about the oxen and how oxen poop and make a mess. And actually, I want to read that, that verse. It says here, Proverbs 14, verse 4. And this is the amplified version. Proverbs 14, verse 4, the amplified version. It says this. Where no oxen are, the grain crib is empty. But much increase of crops comes by the strength of the ox. Now, what this verse is really saying is, in just plain terms, no oxen, no mess. And you know what? That sounds pretty easy, right? I don't have to deal with anything, I don't have to deal with a mess, I don't have to clean anything. I have a, I have a clean, incredible barn. That was supposed to hold ox, but I like it this way. It's easy. But no oxen, no mess means what else? No life. There's no ox in there. There's no there's no strong ox to get the harvest. There's no there's no ex, there's no nothing. And here's here. Let me let me put it this way. When I was a um, a bachelor, anybody single out there? Everyone's married here. <laughs> you guys are liars. I want you to raise your hand because you're going, like, oh, you're single too? Awesome. You know, no one's watching <laughs> today. I'm so sorry. I didn't want to. I'm sorry I put you on the spot like that. When I was single, I, I, I live in a one bedroom apartment, and I lived there when I was single. And I, that, was my, that was my bachelor pad. I mean, I made my bed every day. I swept and mopped, and I cleaned every single day. I made that place immaculate every single day. Then you know what happened? I got married. Married to my wife Grace, and the one thing I, I, I realized, women have a lot of stuff. <laughs> women have a lot of stuff, and actually, my wife in particular, Grace—her name is Grace. My wife in particular has a lot of stuff because she's a crafter. <laughs> she likes to craft things and make things and sew things and create things. She has a creative mind, which means I have, I have, I have, I have, like these boxes of material that she'll never, ever use. I have stuff that's like, oh, we gotta keep that. We have to keep that and put it under the bed or in the closet. She says, we have two sewing machines in my living room. Why do you need two sewing machines? My bachelor pad has turned into a sewing room, a crafting arena. It's a mess. Then the other thing we decided was to have kids. You know, we're like, oh, let's have one kid. Then we have two now. And that's a mess. Come on, anybody with kids, that's a mess. There's poop. Lots of it. I have boxes and boxes of diapers, toys everywhere, it's a mess. Now here's the thing, I can either decide, you know what, I wanna make my life easy. I'm gonna make my life easy right now. I'm gonna get rid of my kids and my wife. And drop them. I want, I want my bachelor pad back. <laughs> nope, you know what? I choose life. I choose life. I choose, I, I choose action and life and my kids hugging me and my wife who loves me and supports me. I choose that instead. I mean, me in my bedroom, oh, come on. Yeah, it's clean. I would rather it be messy than easy. I mean, think about the people who hung around Jesus Christ. Think about that. His disciples were nothing to sneeze at. They weren't religious leaders or theologically correct all the time. They were angry people. They were tax collectors who were sinners. They were stinky fishermen that didn't know anything. They were ordinary men. They were nothing to sneeze at. And who did he hang around with? Immoral women. Drunkards. drunkards, Notorious sinners. Actually, I want to read this. In Luke 7, verse 34, it it says this. This is the Amplified Version, Luke 7, verse 34. He says, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, behold, a man who is a glutton and a wine drinker, a friend of tax collectors, and notorious sinners. Why are they calling the Son of Man, who is Jesus, a glutton and a wine drinker? Was he a glutton? Was he a wine drinker? No, but he was guilty by association. Why? Because he was hanging out with them. And I love they throw in tax collectors in there. It's like wine, drunkards, tax collectors. And I love this, notorious sinners. They weren't just regular Joe Schmo sinners, like you're just average sinner. They were notorious sinners, which means this. They were famous. They were leaders. And you know what famous leaders do? They attract people, which means these notorious sinners were attracting more sinners, which means Jesus was, was surrounded by notorious sinners and regular sinners. Now think about it this way. Imagine if Jesus had a church down the street in Kaneohe. What would that church look like? Who would attend that church? Would his church look like a bunch of Christians who talk like Christians and act like Christians? You walk in, it's like, we're holy because we're in Jesus' church. (laughs) Not according to the scriptures. It also wouldn't look like a bunch of sinners just getting away with anything. Why? Because they're walking with Jesus. And when they walk with Jesus, transformation happens. Change happens. And we're not trying to enforce change. It just naturally happens when you walk with Him. Change is just a natural outcome, a byproduct of surrendering your life to Christ. Think about that church. And I want to just throw a a bit of reality here. Christ is the pastor of this church. Jesus is the head of this church. And shouldn't we reflect his heart and the way his church looked like? Which means, shouldn't this church be a little bit uncomfortable? Which means, like, you're not going to, you're holding onto your iPad a little bit tighter because you're looking at someone like, ooh, He might take that. He might take that. If I go to get my coffee, I'll be looking at a guy going, this is great. he would be looking at the word of God and like, what oh on? When I was a junior high pastor, um, we had some rough kids. Some of you rough kids are sitting right here, right now. And we had some rough kids. I mean, it was cool. And I remember um, I was walking past the children's church right over there. And when some of our kids, we were standing in front of the children's church, and they're just swearing, you know, they're just swearing up a storm. They're, they're, it's before church, and they're doing what they do. They're just dropping F-bombs and doing all this and talking all their talk. And I remember one of the teachers came to me and said, hey, um, Tom, can you make sure that your kids, can, they, can you make sure that they stop swearing in front of the children's church? And I understand that, especially now that I have kids. I'd be like, dude, shut your mouth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wash that out with soap. I, know, I don't want my kids hearing these words. But you know what I thought at that moment? And I didn't say this to the teacher. I just said, thank God I have a whole bunch of dirty-mouthed kids that are coming to church. Thank God I have a whole bunch of dirty-mouthed kids, no matter how they came, because maybe they came because there was hot girls there. Maybe they came because they had nothing to do on a Friday night. But you know what? They, they walked into the junior high trailer and worshiped Jesus, and they heard me preach about Jesus. And I, I was thinking, if they're there... I could possibly make them choose to walk with Christ. And if I could get them there, I know transformation could happen. So I was praising the Lord that I had a bunch of dirty mouth, dirty mouth little junior hires, right, that are probably married and have kids now. It's pretty awesome. Um, But I I want you guys to watch a video that uh, we're going to show. It's a really powerful video. It kind of adds to the point that uh, I'm making here. So check this out. Pretty cool, Cool, huh? And we need to be a church because Jesus is the head of this church. That people with labels can walk in here without any judgment. They feel accepted and loved because of the grace of God. Whatever they're wearing, whatever it is, greed, lust, gay. And we welcome them. And then we share the truth with them the truth makes it evident that we're all in need of a savior, amen? We're reading this book uh, by Andy Stanley uh, called Deep and Wide, and actually he has a chapter really focusing on this idea that we should be a, a church of grace and truth. And he says this, he says, we believe the church is most appealing when the message of grace is most apparent. We are equally as convinced that God's grace is only as visible as God's truth is clear. You guys get that? It's an amazing statement that when grace and truth are put side by side, it's a powerful thing. I mean, that video, right? That, 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 that after picture with the blue skies and smiley faces, that's, that's what you would put on Facebook, wouldn't you? It's like you take a picture of yourself going, all right, ooh, that's a good one. A selfie? Nice. You would post that. You would wait for the comments. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I'm smiling. Blue skies. Awesome. It's great by itself. It's way, more, it's way more powerful when it's put with the other picture. The picture with the label on it. That has more impact because we can see how far someone has come. When they start walking with Jesus Christ and they experience His grace and experience His truth. Yeah, deal with that. Walk with me. And when you start walking with me, guess what? I'll give you peace, I'll I'll take the anxiety away, I'll give you joy beyond your, your understanding of it. I'll give you life. That's the most amazing thing. But from here to here, let me tell you, it's messy. It is, because we have to deal. You know, and you know what? Let me tell you. This 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 church is dedicated to deal with the mess. In the case of Paul, we want to have his back. We want to surround him with people who love him. That'll keep him accountable. That'll encourage him. Well, that's the same thing we we want to do for all of you, right? Right? Absolutely. You know, when my um when my wife was pregnant and we're like, twins, uh ah! We're in shock mode. We're like, uh-oh, we need help. So I called my, you know, one of my best friends. I said, because he has twins too. I'm like, hey, Brandon, help me out, stat, we gotta meet. I need some advice. So I went all the way, where he lives in Kapolei, we went and had dinner and everything, we talked. And here's the best advice he gave me the whole night. He gave me some really good ones, but here's the one I remember. He said, Tom, Don't mind the mess. And I tell myself that every day now. Don't mind the mess. So don't mind the mess. Because I'm looking back on that right now. You know what he's really, really telling me? Don't mind the mess because life is coming. You have life coming. You're expecting life. And when we are a church that doesn't mind the mess, we are expecting life and transformation and people walking in here and they're walking with Jesus and they are transformed and changed from the inside out. And we see people delivered from strongholds. And we see them walk in joy and peace. And my challenge to you and this church, that we be a church of truth and grace and that we don't mind the mess our heads and pray Lord I want to um just come before you right now and I you know I I really do in this church and I know I'm, I've been challenging our church but I really do see it I, I see truth and grace in action every weekend in mini church all the people that I I, I just see every every week it's it's amazing so we're doing good but Lord I want to be more like you I don't want to stop there and be complacent I want to have a full measure of truth even more truth and more grace God so Lord please we ask that you would that you would give it give that to us Lord Maybe you're sitting here and you watch that video and you look at your life and you're like, you're comparing your life to it. You're saying, wow, that, that was me. I was down in the dumps and I had labels and I, I had my head down and I, had, I didn't smile and there was no blue skies. But when I came to Christ, I experienced something that I've never experienced before. And I've, I've experienced transformation in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm a totally new person. And that's the most amazing thing is that you're sitting in these seats and you can actually say that. But maybe for some of you, you've walked in today with a label, something. And you saw that and go, whoa, wait, Jesus can do that for me? I wanna tell you absolutely. Jesus has come to love you, to forgive you of your sins, to give you brand new life and freedom, to give the blind sight and to cause the lame to walk. That's the power of Jesus Christ. And if you've never experienced that before, or maybe you're even coming back, maybe you experienced it a long time ago and you're coming back and going, you know what? I wanna wanna experience that once more because I've kind of went back and. But I wanna experience that again. And you wanna rededicate your life. Maybe this is the first time or a rededication. And this is a prayer for you. And really, all I'm asking you is, is to pray a prayer with me. And in that prayer, you're gonna say this, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. And by dying on the cross, you shed your blood, which washes me clean. I know that sounds a little weird, but it's a fact. The blood that he shed on the cross for us actually washes us clean of our sin. And forgive, and he forgives us. And now we can be right with God. And we are his children. And we're adopted into his family. And he wants to bless us with so much. And that's what you're praying. That's what you're going to be praying to him, hopefully in a, a minute or so. But before we pray that, I want to know who's praying with me. I'm going to count to three. And when I hit three, all I, all I ask is that you just raise your hand. And by raising your hand, you're saying, Pastor Tom, I, I want to dedicate my life to Jesus Christ. I want to follow him. Or I want to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ. But right now, I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to follow him. I don't know what that means. I'm just going to take a step of faith and just do it. So hopefully you're ready. I'm going to count to three and just raise your hand and just tell me that you want to do that. I want to pray, with, pray that with me. So here we go. One, two, three. Just lift your hand up, lift your hand up. Come on, let's see it. Come on, lift your hand up real high. Keep, keep them up so I can count them here. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 11. Anybody else? Anybody else? Probably, I mean, not probably, I, I don't wanna even say that word. This is the best thing of this whole service is you giving your life to Jesus Christ. This is the best thing. I think another person right here, awesome. Maybe 12 people. All right, put your hands down. Now say this prayer like it's your own. Lord Jesus, I come before you right now. I declare that you died on the cross for me and you shed your blood and it's that blood that washes me clean. It's an amazing thing. I don't understand it, but I will, I will just walk in faith in it and believe it. And because you did that for me, I will give you my life, I will follow you. And in following you, you're going to change me. You're going to do things. But you know what? You didn't ask me to change first. You just said follow. So here I am. Here's my life. I give it to you. I call you my Lord and my Savior. I thank you so much. And I praise you. In Jesus' precious name, we all say amen.